And I'm just going to, I just want to go to a couple things here real quick, and then we can kind of just um, dialogue together as it relates to unity. So this is a big topic. I'm not, I'm not preaching conformity tonight. I'm preaching unity. There's a big difference. Hitler had an army that was conformity. Are you hearing me? Hitler led an army that was, had, that had conformed to his way of doing things because he was a tyrant. That's not what I'm talking about. Conformity can look like unity. The difference is the heart. The difference is the heart. Unity is not necessarily spiritual. I need you to get that. People think faith is spiritual. It's not. It's a word that simply means trust. And you can put faith. Many of you are putting faith in a whole lot of things you ain't supposed to be putting faith in. It's, 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 it's not necessarily a righteous word. It can be if it's used or if it's implied to something that is righteous. But just like unity, it's just a word. And it's, it, it, it defines the condition of a heart or a people. Um, and it's, it's a necessary ingredient for us to move corporately. Too many churches are moving individually. And we have to move corporately. Because... Um, we are we are together. We are one man. We are a many membered man that is in this room tonight and we are together and we make up that which God has called us to be in the earth together. Just look at somebody and say we need you. Come on, just convince them. Say we need you. This is this is important. And so we, we got to get this. So we're going to deal with you tonight. So I want you to grab your Bible real quick. I'm going to start with a couple things. Go to Genesis chapter one. And we're going to go into verse 25, and I just want to pull out a familiar passage real quick just to kind of break the ice here. So, Pastor Tim, um, oh, so we got all the mics up here. Testing, okay. Genesis 1. And what verse? All right. Genesis 1 and 25. And it says, God made the animals of the earth according to their kind and the livestock according to their kind and everything that crawls on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky. Okay, let's, let's stop right there. She already said uh, enough just in that small part. God said what? Let us. I can't hear you. Let us. us make man in our plural image. Let us make man in our image. Not let me make man in my image, but let us make man in our image. This is the first place we see the theology of a triune Godhead. People have wrestled over the concept for years. You have those who have, of apostolic faith that um, pride themselves on the oneness of God. Then you have the triune or the trinities uh, believers that, that pride themselves on the three dimensions of God. And the truth is there's errors in both camp. Um, because if you're not spiritual, you'll actually miss the entire thing. Because when God is showing himself tri-dimensionally can I say that when he is revealing himself through 
three manifestations. It is not saying that he is divided, but better yet, that he is one. But he is actually telling, he's showing us that it is is actually possible for us to be many, but one. He's teaching us the value and the beauty of relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You and I, the reason we get in the most trouble in our life is because of relationship and our inability to do them right. It's very difficult to have a relationship externally when you do not have one internally. When you are not true to your own self, how could you ever be true to me? Come on, somebody. If you are conflicted within yourself, how do you ever feel that there's going to be peace between you and I? When you are conflicted with yourself, you put unreal expectations on relationships externally. I've done it. Everybody's done it. We almost, without knowing, actually are expecting people to be something or to give us something that is going to cure the anxiety or whatever it is that's happening on the inside that's going to to deal with the conflict. And it's unfair to them because they didn't know by befriending you they were signing up to have to heal you. And it's not fair to them. And therefore, because we have this conflict on the inside, it creates external issues on the outside. You can tell a lot by an individual by the way that they do relationships. Listen, it's, I get that the devil's against you. And I get that the devil, that you're so important that this one non-omnipresent devil... Has forgot about all the kings and rulers in Africa and all the presidents and everybody else that's affecting billions of lives. And he's concerned about what you're doing at your job. I get that he's against you and that you're that special and that anointed and that Lucifer himself is paying you visits. But if everybody's saying the same thing about you. Maybe it ain't Lucifer's. Maybe he ain't the one messing you up. Maybe it is your conflict and your unresolved issues because you're unwilling to pay attention to what is on the inside that's causing you to do relationships this way. Come on, say something. This is, this is, this is a big deal. Relationships say a lot about how we are unified within. Did you know... That every time that you open your mouth that you are creating and actually saying the same thing God is, let us make man and our, that you are, there is an us in you and you are creating from it. Paul said that we are body, soul, and spirit. That we have a triune manifestation as well. We have a psyche, a suke in the Greek, the mind, the will and emotions. I've taught this well in the house. That's the soul man. And you have the spirit man that is one with the Lord, as Ephesians says. And you have the flesh. We won't talk about that right now. But you have the flesh man. And you have a triune makeup that's happening. Why? Because you was created from a triune manifestation. Here's my point. This is why you need relationships so bad. And no matter how, this is what kills me about people. They'll get hurt by one relationship and say, I'll never do that again. And just run right back into another relationship. 
Why? Because you cannot live without a relationship. Why? Because you was created from one. Let us make man. Are you all catching that? In our image. You was created. God could have just did it and he could have done it without expressing himself as we. He could have done it that way without expressing himself as we. But he chose to create the most important thing he's ever created from a position of we. Why? Because he understood that everything he's going to create is going to also value and need relationships and unity in order to survive. Is that clear? So can you say amen to that? So I want you to put this down, um, that real unity, first of all, will require us to be uh, to become open with one another. I'll talk about unity for a second in a different light. Unity, as God is starting, because some of us have just been, and, and I'm not saying this to bash nobody, but some of us has just been in terrible relationships and have been hurt, and therefore we almost become an island to ourselves as a survival uh, mechanism to try to survive things. And uh, it just makes you more miserable because the truth is that you and I cannot survive without relationships. Um, uh, we're, we're born from it. And we absolutely have to have it. Um, one of the things that happens when God, I, I got up and I said that God's doing some realigning. One of the things that happens when God's trying to bring you back into a understanding of relational um, needs as it relates to people is that you're going to have to, you're going to have to get to a place to where you are comfortable with being vulnerable. That it will require you to have to open back up a side of you that you swore you would never open again. And that's scary. That's scary because, you know, fear loves the prophetic. We'll let that sit for a second. Spirit of fear loves the prophetic. It pulls from the past, but it tries to project what will happen in the future. That's what fear does. <laughs> fear says, if you do this, don't you know this is going to happen if you do this? It hadn't happened yet. Fear is just try- it's lying to you. Fear is the only thing that keeps lying to us that we still believe. Over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> we have to get to a place to where we are allowed to open up our hearts once again. Trust God from a different place and know that me opening my heart or me becoming vulnerable um, is because the spirit is leading that or asking that of me so that he can reposition me. You may be called to do something great and you may be in uh, you may have all the talent, all the, the gifts for that. But if you have a closed off heart, you're never going to be profitable to the gift that you have. That's right. Are you hearing me? That's right. So it's, it's really, really important. So we're going to read two more scriptures that I'm going to I'm going to pass here for a second. Um, let's go to Colossians chapter three and, and we're going to read one through 14. Babe. Colossians chapter three, one through 14. Um, let's, let's read. Now, this, this gets real personal, y'all. Can, can you guys see this up there? Is it up there on screen? Okay, let's 
Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ okay, in God. Okay, slow, slow down just a little bit. There's so much meat in there. Sometimes we read real fast and we miss all that. But listen, he's Paul's talking deep here. Raised with Christ. Affections on things above. <laughs> let's, let's just go back for a second. Just slow down just a little bit. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay, here's what it, here's here. This is one of the things that will stop unity in the body of Christ. If you do not embrace it, you are already dead. Yes. In Christ, you will fight for your rights, and with that fighting, there will become dissension among us. Yeah. Why? Because we all have an idea of how things are supposed to go. Are you hearing me? The, the, the body of Christ has to embrace the death. You know, we've gotten it wrong in the body of Christ. We used to preach years ago, um, you know, that you need to that you need to to die daily, die daily, die daily, die daily. That's not really scripture. Jesus said, deny yourself. Yes. But die daily is not scriptural. It's not even good theology. Paul said, reckon yourself as dead. You're not dying daily unless the only way to die daily is keep resurrecting yourself at night. <laughs> You can only die once. And you went to the cross and you died in Christ. That's what dying daily is, is you're accepting that you have already been dead in Christ. When he went to the cross, we died with him. Yep. And then on the third day, we rose with him. So as he is, so are we in this world. That is the understanding that we have to have. I have to be dead to my rights. I have to be dead and know that I went to the cross with him and that if not, my will is going to get in the way and it's going it, to your will and my will. They're not going to be friends. Are you hearing me? It's impossible to have unity if you're still pushing your agenda. The cross is where we have foundational unity. So let's read here. I mean, Paul's saying, set your minds on things above. Why? Because if it ain't set, if you're not thinking the right way, we're going to be dealing with all of these concepts and ideologies and all these things. It has nothing to do with the call of the kingdom. Amen, somebody. So, are y'all with me? Y'all getting this? This, I'm I'm trying to teach here for a second, so let's continue. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. You notice this is the grace guy talking here, guys. So if if you've been coming to VC and you've been under teaching of grace and you think that I'm preaching that you can live any way you want. Let's go back and read that. Watch what Paul said. Look what he said there. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Mm. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also rid yourselves of all of them. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene speech from your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another since you stripped off the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created okay, it. Okay, so let's just stop here. Listen, everybody say, put on the new self. Put on the new Come self. on, say it like you mean. Say, put on the new self. Put on the new self. All right, there's an old man that lives in a carnal world, a carnal way of thinking. Right? Paul, he's bringing up the carnal deeds. Sexual immorality, all these different things that he brought up, right, that's going on. Don't get caught up on that, though. Paul's saying you whip that by putting on the new self. He's not just telling you to discipline your flesh. He's actually saying, let it go. Are you hearing that? He's saying, put on your new self. He's not telling you to fix Adam. He's telling you to embrace Christ. (laughs) The new man. That's what he's saying. He's saying you got to get your head in the right place. You got to get your head in the right place because your head's not in the right place right now. Right. And this is why Paul's saying all this. And this is why I brought this passage up here, because unity flows from this foundation. It's very difficult to unify with somebody who's still fighting for their rights. You know, you can tell if you're putting a new if you're walking in a new man. By how easily you're offended. If you're easily offended, you're not necessarily acquainted with the new man yet. Because you, it's, it still takes a level of thinking that it's all about you to be offended. When you're delivered from you, it's, very, it's a whole lot harder to offend somebody that is, that, 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 that is delivered from them. Why? Because they know that what it is, is whatever's uh, 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 manifesting is not about them. So they don't take it personal. Jesus said, listen, if they hated me, they'll hate you. In other words, the gospel, the world will hate the gospel. But they don't hate you. They hate what the gospel is. It takes away their rights. And it brings us to a unity at the cross. That binds us together. Um, Ephesians 4, just real quick, I'm going to read this. Uh, he says here, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Can you say that with me? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Come on, let's say it one more time. Let's get it in our head. Make every effort. Come on, every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. I I was reading here, and I'm I'm almost done. So, um, Proverbs 6. Check this out, y'all. Y'all see it up there? Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food and harvests. Go to the ant. In other words, Solomon is saying, consider the ant. Consider the ant. What does ant have to do with unity? Because there is not anything created that demonstrates unity like an ant. I love nature. I watch it all the time. I can't get my wife to join in with that, but um, I love nature. Maybe it's the white side of me, but I just love nature. Oh, you like nature too? You do? Well, come over, man. Dual survival. It's coming up, brother. Um... I want to give you a, a 
few things about ants that I thought was relevant to the topic because they demonstrate what unity is. Number one, ants do not have ears. Very hard to get negative stuff in the head of something that can't hear you. A lot of what breaks up unity in the body of Christ is what we continue to listen to from other people. There are people, listen, God will send people, there has been people, uh, part of ministry, and in, in part of ministry, I've been doing this a long time, VCs, uh, like, what, we 11 years old? People come and go. It's the nature of life. They come and go, things happen. Um, uh, and you know one thing that I've seen, people say, Pascal, we feel like we're transitioning or something like that. And I said, cool, we always bless them. Um, but God always assigns somebody in their place when they leave. I've seen it a hundred times. He always assigns somebody in their place that comes and they'll have the heart to fulfill whatever it is that, that God has assigned them to do. But just like God assigns people to a ministry... The enemy brings people on assignment to a ministry and their job is to sow discord. Paul dealt with it in the New Testament several times. Messy people. Their job is not that we don't love these people. Some, you know, the, the, the real kicker is most people that are assigned by the enemy don't know they have a relationship with them. Most people that are working for the enemy do not even realize they're working for them. Very true. They don't realize it, but the enemy, is, because the enemy doesn't need you to sign on the dotted line. He just needs you to not deal with your issues. He can hire you without ever speaking to you. You just don't deal with the internal stuff that God is telling you to deal with. Stop being spirit led and all of a sudden the enemy has access to you. And he can use you to sow discord. Man, did you see what Pastor Shawnee was saying over there? Would you see what? What they say. Yeah. I ain't even going to believe what Pastor Gail, he got a tattoo. He got a tattoo. That pastor over there preaching grace. I knew he was going to get a tattoo. That was the next thing coming. (laughs) (laughs) What is the tattoo? It says agape. It's a Greek word for love, unconditional. I mean, book of Revelation, Jesus gets a tattoo on his hip. People sow discord and they'll do it in real deceitful ways. And it stops the unity of the faith. It stops the unity of the spirit. It slows down the corporate momentum that, that happens. Here's the other thing, too, I thought was about it that I thought was pretty cool. They have two stomachs. One is for food and one is to feed others. God. Ants have two stomachs. One is to feed themselves and the other one is to store food for others. We're talking about unity. Not everything that's at your table is meant for you. (laughs) Not everything that's at your table is meant for you. Um, Come on, just say, come on, say unity in the spirit.
I agree. <laughs> I'm united with that word. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I received that. <laughs> um, that's real good, man. Um, I think Ephesians 4 is a really good chapter for us to study. Um, really shines light on just how our qualities, even though different, participate in in our unity with one another and um how important it is like you said to live for others um yes there is an element of development but it is for one another um we're not being developed personally we're not on personal journeys our journey is developed just like uh, uh joseph you know god took him on a journey for his brothers It looked like it was just for him, his own purpose, you know, his own vision to be fulfilled, but it was fulfilling the the nature of love, which he was a supplier, you know, and he had to be rid of the subjective, it's about me journey, and then he was able to supply to his brothers, you know, so I think as we are all journeying, it's good to know that we're being enabled to supply everything God is giving, you know. That's all you get. He'll have more. I can't shut him up in the mornings on this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm conversational, so it's, it got to be poured out. Anybody got any questions? <laughs> I mean, do anybody have any questions? No? Okay. Um, I, I really think, like, re- unity is discovered through relationship, you know? Um, it it's not just discovered by me speaking to you. It's through conversation yes. that we discover our union with one another. And it's discovered. It's not, it's not um, became. We don't become one. We discover the unity that we are. And the more we step out of the self, like you said, the old self, in the new self, we are one. We're one essence. We're one people. We are one body. And when we get that revelation, the more we look at Christ, we see that we are one with the body. We participate. And that is what love is. It's a participation with union. And I think it's really important to not try to become united, but to discover it. To discover that we are one with one another. God eliminates the blinders for us to see our union, you know, with one another. So. That's excellent. You know, I, I, I want to kind of speak to like the different personalities because I think that once you reach a certain age, you kind of feel like I have my friends, I have my people, and you know, I'm not like, unfortunately, I am married to a very outgoing person. I mean, this is Mr. Extrovert, and I'm actually, like, people are disappointed when they meet me in person. Like, if they read my stuff before they meet me, they be like, wow, she's nothing like her writings, because I'm actually more introvert in nature. I was a middle child for a long time. I did a lot of reading, imagining, all of that stuff by myself. And to this day, I enjoy doing things by myself. That's just my personality. But when I get around friends and people I know, 
I'm having a ball, but then there is something that happens around like a certain time where I be like, oh, well, it's time to go. I want to go back and be alone again. And when people meet Pastor Gail first, like he, listen, y'all, when he retired, whenever he retires from pastoring, he literally will be like the best Walmart greeter of the year. Like they will be flying him around the country training all the Walmart greeters because that is what he was really supposed to be doing like he'll he'll be like no listen you don't hand them the paper like you say good morning paper like this like they don't have awards for him he'll be why, why, <laughs> like, why pay more I mean really. see listen it's in his blood y'all let's talk about it why it's to, it's to the point like we're in the car before we go in the grocery store I'm like I know this is going to sound terrible, but I'd be like, can you not talk to people today? Because he abandons me in the conversations. I'm the one that's like, I, I don't know these people. And there's always people that I'm sure on a, that are on America's Most Wanted. Like, they're on the list. And Gail's like, he's a great guy. Did you talk to him? I'm like, Gail, why do you find these people? And so this is his personality where he's like naturally outgoing talking to people but I build relationships organically like the most down to earth yes but it's like I if you tell me about your 13 year old child and what happened in fifth grade and her middle name I'll remember all of it I'll remember every last single thing you told me because conversation for me is about collecting it's about getting to know you. And sometimes we feel like our, our personalities have to be a certain way for us to be united. And it's, it has nothing to do with your personality as much as it has to do with how you relate here. How you relate to God, you can do relationships with people better because you have an identity that is able to accept everything that you are first to accept everything that everyone else is or is not. And I think we get so caught up in like what our personality is. You know, God started dealing with me about um, some of my disappointment with the church because I, I love God so much and I have such a desire to see the things that he shares with me done in his body. And sometimes all of the negative things are highlighted so much that I have had disappointments with the church. And I've voiced these disappointments to uh, friends and different things that have gone on. And God started checking me so hard, saying, if you really love my church, and if you know your, your call to it, why would you put your mouth on it? Even if it's just personally, where you feel like, well, I'm not saying, you know. But you have to understand that we've all been created with the ability to create what we speak. And God started dealing with me about how I see his body, how to be a remedy to it as opposed to highlight the negative things. And so I've had to do a lot of self-correcting to where... um, It's just things I won't say anymore, even though I see it. But I want to read this in James chapter 4, because I feel like 
this is um, a passage that really speaks to me. And it says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is the source not your pleasures that wage war in your body parts? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend what you request on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that your friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, this whole passage, like the whole passage, is pretty much bringing to light why, what causes division. The same way that um, you, the passage that you had me read and what uh, Mitchell has talked about. When we don't have a clear understanding of the purposes of God, we come into a place where we use God, we use um, spirituality, Christianity, all of those things to ask for things with the wrong motives and intentions in mind for us. And anything that God is looking to do in your life, he's looking for it to feed his body. And even his body may be people that don't know they're in the body yet. And when we get to a place to where um, selfishness consumes us, we find ourselves in a place to where we're literally cutting off the circulation in the body. And I'm going to hand this back to you, but um, I was just sharing with my husband that last night I was kind of just studying and um, thinking and just kind of um, in an open place with God. Just open, like, you know, God, whatever you want to speak, whatever you want to share. But I was reading some different things. And <clears throat> the Lord spoke a name to me. I think the name was like Agaba or something like, like that. And I said, you know, well, what is that? And I knew that it was Hebrew. And so I, I Googled the name. Of course, nothing came up. And then I Googled it again and put Hebrew behind it. And it was actually the name of a man in Nehemiah and Ezra that was in exile. He was a Jew. He was in exile. But him and his family were servants in the temple of God. And the translation of his name means locust. And so I, as I kind of followed where God was leading, God had me to go and look up the characteristics of locusts. And as Pastor Gill has said, you know, I'm not a nature person. I, I don't really care for animals. So that's probably why God went that route, telling me a name. Because had he said locusts, I probably went like, well, yeah, that's nice, Lord. Okay. But um, I went and I looked up the characteristics of locusts. And we've always heard locusts talked about negatively. We know that um, once they come together, you know, we love quoting the scripture, the, the canker worm and the locust and the palmer worm has taken, God's going to restore it. Like we, we hate locusts. Christians hate locusts. But I um, started studying their characteristics because I could feel like that's what God wanted me to do. And the reality is locusts are identical to grasshoppers. They look a lot like grasshoppers. They act like grasshoppers. But as I began to study, they live a solitary life, meaning they roll solo. 
They're by themselves, they live by themselves, they function by themselves. You know, they come together, they breed, then they go their separate way. They're solitary animals, which seems weird because we've always heard of them coming together in swarms and eating crops. And so as I begin to study even more, what ends up bringing them together is when there is a dry spell and vegetation is only in one place. They come together to that one place to feed. And for the first time, they're with other locusts. And when they get with other locusts, there's literally a chemical of serotonin in their body that releases, and they start to see their need for one another. And as they see their need for one another, the serotonin makes them even hungrier. So they feed more, but they become social. And as they become social, they see their need for one another. And before you know it, one locust, one locust that's been rolling solo, one locust that's been solitary, not having a need for anyone else, turns into a whole swarm and we see what a whole swarm can do the devastation that it can take the amount of food that it needs but what happens if we become the locust that devastates everything that the enemy is doing what this world is doing if we stop rolling solo if we stop living a solo life if we stop living in a way where it is about our desires and the things that we're asking God for are solo missions but what happens if we come together, God has literally created us that when we come together and we set aside our personalities and our differences and all of those things, that there's literally chemicals within our body. Can you listen? If if this um, quarantining and being separated hasn't taught you anything else, I bet it's taught you the value of a hug. Some of us that's not huggers and don't want nobody touching us and on us, it's something about what a genuine hug does. The chemicals that it literally releases in your body because God has created us for touch where we are more powerful when we come together and where we realize our need for one another and I feel like the answer for what is happening in this world right now how God is bringing the church to the forefront he is literally separating and tearing down all of these many missions because there is one mission and the mission is for us to know him and for the whole world to know him and to come to understand the sacrifice that he's paid and he's looking to do it in people that know that they're already dead and that their life is hidden in Christ Everything that we need is hidden in Christ. I Listen, I go to sleep and I wake up burning for the revelation of Jesus Christ. I cannot escape it because I have stepped into a place with God where I literally say, God, listen, whatever it is that you want. Let this passion burn in everybody that I come in contact with. Let them desire it. Let them look at my life and see that you're real and want the same thing. That is the mission. I'm sorry if you think it's anything else, but that is the mission for them to know Christ and him crucified and what that means for him. That is the mission. And when we come together and we touch the chemical of this truth releases to one another, well, this is the thing that we burn for. Come on, shout amen. And we're getting ready to close, but it just reminded me while she was talking. You know in Deuteronomy where it says one will put, one will chase what? A thousand and two? Think about it. If one is a thousand, wouldn't two be 
2,000? The strength of one increases when it connects with the second one. <laughs> That's just a crazy concept in itself. If one has the ability to chase a thousand, why does two? That don't even mathematically make sense. If you're just adding one with that, it should be two thousand. Instead, it increases. When we come together, our strength individually increases. We can lift more together. Chase more together. Do more together. We have to get to a point where unity. Here's what I want to do in closing. I'm going to have uh, uh, my wife or, or Mitch, either one, it doesn't matter. But um, I want us to take a, a vow, a covenant tonight to be church builders, people builders, and to protect the unity of the faith. When you hear something that can sow discord or that that may don't look at the person saying it as an enemy they're not they're an assignment um but when you hear stuff like that make a vow tonight to be that person that ministers to that need to protect the unity of the faith we need more people that are building the church right now. I'm on Facebook and social medias and I'm getting weary with this group of people that they just, they think they're exposing stuff in the body of Christ and they make it a mandate to, to kind of always bring the flaws and the faults of the church up to, to the forefront. And, and, um, they get, they get a lot of likes from certain people, but typically the people that are following them or liking them are rebels themselves. They're not reformers, they're rebels. There's a difference. Um, I feel like we need people right now that will commit and make a covenant to be those that would protect the unity of the faith by the bond of peace. And tonight I want to ask you to make that covenant with me. And um, make it in your heart. And do what you can to just build people. Even if what somebody's saying about somebody is right. Let's say that they got dirt on somebody. And man, do you hear what so-and-so did? It doesn't mean that we, we engage it just because it's right. Even if what they're saying is right, we're still called to minister to it. And if they are doing something they're not supposed to do that doesn't reflect the heart of Christ, our job is to minister. They are still a part of us. Just because you have a headache, you don't cut off your head. Come on now. Just because you have something going wrong with your body, you don't eliminate it. You, you find out what it is and you fix it. We need more bodybuilders. And I want to ask you tonight, will you be that? Will you become a bodybuilder with me so that we can begin to strengthen the church of Jesus Christ? Amen, somebody. I want you to stand. Any, any, any um, also, um, as we are in prayer, um, when somebody comes to your heart, capitalize on it. Um, it's so many times that I'm in prayer and just somebody randomly random person would just pop up and uh, as I step forward in that 
times. A lot of people are like, man, I needed that. Man, I needed that call. I'm going through it. You know, and I remember when I first began to ask God to reveal himself to me. And I heard a girl crying. And I knew exactly who it was. And I called her. She didn't answer. The next day we talked. She was. I was like, you know, are you okay? Um, I heard, I mean, I, I was like, I was praying and I saw you crying. She's like, how did you know I was crying? Um, the little things that we get that it seems like, not, like nothing. Don't let fear root that out. Even if it's just a word of encouragement. Even if, you know, wives are feeling something to say to your husband that's encouraging. Um, anything. That's how we keep the unity. That's how we manage or, or steward or, or engage that unity so that it's, it's what, how we relate to each other. A lot of people that I serve, just when I'm obedient, it becomes a new lens of how we see each other in love, you know, and it's good to discover that and be willing. Like he gives seed to the sower. So if you're willing to sow, he's going to keep giving seed. So as you keep giving and keep serving and then anybody may come and the more you serve just spontaneously out of love, you'll find yourself having served everyone. And if we all did that, we're tasting the ingredients of the body and we're functioning in a deeper capacity, you know, so. It's a spiritual immune system. It's what it is. I mean, the body's designed to heal itself. So, um, you know, just do me a favor. Just take a look around at everybody. I just turn around, look at some faces here tonight. Just some people that maybe you you see, but you don't really see them. Just ask God for spiritual insight for people tonight. To be able to see them, see past what they necessarily advertise and to actually see them see their heart and pray for people and uh, God is going to mature us in this so uh, let's make this covenant how many just let me see your hands how many say I'm gonna be a bodybuilder amen let's do this together we love you guys so much um, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna we're gonna release you father we just I'm sorry I do want to say to um, if you know that you have any ought or any unforgiveness or any offense against anyone, listen, not just somebody in a body, but anyone, you have to work that out. Like, we can't just, you know, talk about unity and stuff like that and not find a way the best way to learn how to deal with relationships is through conflict because once you solve conflict it makes you so much stronger because people have conflict and they break away from each other but when you can get through a conflicting situation with one another and keep going it's like it makes you so much stronger and I'll never forget, there was a service at my old church. I know I'm getting ready to wrap it up. But um, the, the, the speaker spoke so good about um, unforgiveness and forgiving people. And I mean, it was like the presence of God was so strong. And um, a lady came up to me after service. 
And she was much older than me. I was young, like maybe 20, 21. And she came up to me and she was crying. And she was hugging me and hugging me. And finally, when she could talk, she said, I just want you to forgive me. I I hated you. She said, I hated your guts. I mean, y'all, she kept elaborating. I was like, all right, sister, I'll get the point. (laughs) Okay, first hate, I got it. She said, I hated you. Like, dang. And she told, she she said, you know, she was honest. She said, I was jealous. You hadn't done anything to me. I was just jealous. And it was so much healing that happened in that moment. I, I wasn't even offended. I just, I loved on her. And that may not be where you are, but if you know it's even something small, you owe it to the body to heal it. Because what you allow small with one person will be huge. It's, it's just a gap that God wants to close. And so I just, tonight I really feel that like, if there's any offense, do your due diligence to heal it. Amen. Amen.